Hello, this is Ellis Prince, the pastor of the Gallery Church of Baltimore. I want to thank you for joining our podcast today. I hope this teaching inspires you and gives you courage to pursue Jesus Christ. I hope that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. If we can help you in any way, please feel free to reach out. Now let's get back to the podcast. I got roped into last second reading, so forgive the... (laughs) That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Um, So this is the Gospel according to John, chapter 15, ESV. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does, does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than that someone lay down his life for his friends." You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have not been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me, hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. 
But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. This is the word of the Lord. To teach John 15 on this Sunday, October 15th, the 15th year of gallery, my 15th year in Baltimore. It's also my brother's birthday today, and the fact that he's here is a miracle in and of itself. Biblically, the number 15 represents rest and deliverance. On the 15th day of Nisan, which is the first month on the Jewish calendar, that's when the Israelites left Egypt. That's when the Exodus happened. That's when God delivered his people. On the 15th day of the month Tishrei, which is the seventh month, that's the start of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the God-ordained festival representing rest after a long harvest season. This is also layered with the fact that the Lord so loudly told me back in 2021 that he was going to teach me what abiding truly looked like. And as I'm hoping that you'll see today, so much of abiding is resting. It's my prayer today that the doors of your heart would be open to the Spirit's leading, that you would feel as if this fully red-letter chapter would be Jesus' words directly to you, spoken kindly and full of invitation. So before we start, I would love to pray for us. So if you wouldn't mind opening your hands. Lord, I know that today you want to show us what it really means to abide in you. I know that you want us to live a life that's full of rest and not a life that's full of striving. God, I pray that whatever distractions are distracting us today, Lord, that we would quiet them with your power within us, Lord. I pray that whatever is blocking off our heart to this invitation from you, Lord, that you would speak it away in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you, and we're here for you. We're expecting you. Amen. Okay, so John 15. As I was studying to prepare for this, as my dad was saying, I was reading all of the chapters leading up to John 15, and I got all the way to John 14:31, before the breaks of my spirit slammed to a halt. This is what it says. But so the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let's leave this place. Get up, let's leave this place. The weight of the sentence hit me like a ton of bricks. I wrestled and questioned with what it could mean, which I want to note. When you are reading scripture... The Lord will often highlight something to you in your spirit. It might be a correction. It might be an encouragement. It might be an invitation to dig deeper. Press into that. Pay attention to that. So what the Lord did through this and me was to remind me of a conversation that we had just a few weeks prior that physically walking with the Lord is such an important practice for me and for us Flashback to our prayer week where our theme was walk with me, if you remember that. Um, But how kind is it that God would orchestrate that the passage that I get to teach from is when Jesus is actually on a walk with his disciples? I think that this is something that doesn't need to go unnoticed. This is Jesus' heart for us. 
First, it's his heart to prepare us. It's his heart to let us know that he loves us and that we're seen and that he's with us in all aspects of our life. So let's set the mood. Most likely they are walking through dark Jerusalem. Here's a picture of what the temple would have looked like. You can't really super tell, but the top of the temple has golden vines on it. Jesus, on this walk with his disciples, mimicking the Lord in Genesis 1 and 2, where he's walking with Adam and Eve in the garden, he's doing the same thing here with his disciples, and that's beautiful. So maybe he's saying, get up, let's go from here, field trip, there's something I want to show you, I want to show you this. The Jewish calendar is centered around the phases of the moon, and as we've read in the previous chapters, this was close to Passover, possibly the night of Passover, which means that it would have been a full moon. They didn't have light pollution back then. A full moon would have lit up the sky, especially the ornate gold on the temple. It most likely would have been reflecting the moon. So imagine, maybe Jesus pointed over to the temple doors while he says, verse 1, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. His disciples would have been fully aware of this illustration because the vine on the temple doors is actually an Old Testament reference to Israel. If you want to turn to Isaiah 5, feel free. I'm going to read some verses. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewn out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done for it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled. I will make it a waste, and it shall not be pruned or cultivated. And briars and thorns will grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, only bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. The vine of Israel had everything it needed to bear fruit, but it didn't. The disciples would have been fully aware of this. So for Jesus to start by saying, I am the true vine, would have immediately set the tone for what he wanted to say. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. As I was diving into this passage, I think that I found my own gold excavated. The Greek word for takes away that has been translated across all translations of the Bible is iro. Iro is listed with three definitions. To lift up, to take upon oneself and carry, and then to take away. Let's sit back for a second and let these definitions stir within us. To lift up, to take upon oneself and carry, and to take away. God, our great sovereign vine dresser, gardener, the one who loves us, the one who's faithful even when we are faithless, 
takes us away when we aren't bearing fruit, says off with our heads, or lifts us up, takes us upon himself and carries us. Any gardener who is inspecting their branches, when they see a branch that's green, that's not bearing fruit, are they just going to cut it off? Or are they going to lift it up, maybe put it in the sun, maybe tie it to the top of the vine? It would be like me going over to Lana and saying, you're not bearing fruit right now, not your friend anymore. That doesn't make any sense. I would say, Lana, let me speak words of life and healing and encouragement over you. Let me draw you close. Let me see what's going on. I'm afraid that by translating this as takes away, we are perpetuating this image of a God who is angry with us, a God who is exhausted, a God who is exasperated. That's not our God. This same word is what Jesus uses when he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take up your cross and follow me. The implication here should be that the vine dresser is taking us up, not throwing us away. Let's keep going. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. The Greek word that we have translated into prune is kathairo, and it actually means to cleanse. So wait a second. God isn't just standing around ready to chop us chop up our fruit after we've finally been fruitful? Like, you better be fruitful next year and I'm going to prune you to do it? No. This word implies, Mom, you are so... Oh gosh, I shouldn't have chosen you. I'm going to cry. You are so fruitful in this season. I'm going to take your fruit and clean it off. I'm going to perfect it. I'm going to lovingly prepare you for next season. Using the word pruning here is not wrong, but we have to be so careful about what image of God we are creating. If we are willful to submit to the holy shears of God, we will see that they are for our good and our good alone. Our fruitfulness is the priority, and it's done with more than kindness. Cleansing is done with kindness. And let me tell you from personal experience, you will want the shears. Because nothing that has happened in my life, I could have done on my own or could have done without the shears. Let's look at the first part of verse 3 because I think it's full of more evidence leaning towards cleanse. You are already clean. Hmm. Already clean. Jesus, why did you jump to saying already clean if you were talking about cutting us up? The word for clean here is the direct adjective form of kathairo, and it's kathairos, which means pure. So what if Jesus was really saying to his beloved disciples in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the vine dresser lifts up to himself. And every branch in me that bears fruit, he lovingly cleanses and prunes that it may bear more fruit. And I think that is on a slide too for you to look at. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the vine dresser lifts up to himself. And every branch in me that bears fruit, he lovingly cleanses and prunes that it may bear more fruit. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the true vine. This means that we have every opportunity to be fruitful if we are in him. The vine only exists 
to nourish, feed, and grow the branches, and we exist as the branches to bear the fruit of the vine. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This is where I think it gets really good. Are you catching the power of these words? What is the key to bearing fruit? Abiding. Jesus didn't say serving in full-time ministry. He didn't say feeding the poor. He didn't say being the most generous person at your church. He didn't even say having a family. He said, abide in me. All of those things are good, and all of those things may come for you. But the foundation of it has to be abiding. So what does it mean to abide? Over the course of this chapter, Jesus says abide nine times. (laughs) The Greek word used here is mino, which translates to stay, abide, remain, which most translations go ahead and use the word remain, which is why I asked for us to read an ESV, because the word abide has a special place in my heart. To abide is the act of choice to continue to choose Jesus, to fully depend on him for the entirety of life. Simply, to abide is to have faith. Jesus is ever so sweetly telling his disciples to remain in his love despite the chaos of the world around them, despite all that's about to happen for them, all that they're about to see. Continue to be connected to me always. Remain in my love. Remain in my words. It's also a word that's used to mean dwell. Jesus in John 14, 23 uses the noun version when he says, we will come and make our dwelling place in them. (laughs) It's not just a connection. It's absolute dependence. Jesus is not asking us to be an independent branch. He knows we are dependent branches that are full of him. The important distinction to make here is that Jesus says, every branch in me. This is talking about those of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ. The heart of God is that we collectively would be fruitful. The heart of God for us, those of us who are connected to Jesus, is that we stay connected to Jesus and bear fruit because of that connection. Our God and our God would never rip us away from Jesus because we have seasons of barrenness. That completely negates the heart of God for us that we see all throughout Scripture. This is not a one-way street. Jesus is connected to us too. And Jesus continues to choose to be connected to us. Our fruitfulness is solely dependent upon our faith, our relationship, our dwelling with him. Your barren seasons do not disqualify you from connection to Jesus. I'll say it again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the vine dresser lifts up to himself. And every branch in me that bears fruit, he lovingly cleanses and prunes that it may bear more fruit. When I was watching Lana's uh, chapter 13 teaching, and she said, after reading you know, the words of Peter, I wanted to read more of his words. So I read his letter. You know, that's exactly how she talks. 
I, um, I was watching, you know, while I was away, and I was like, I did the same thing, and read John's other letters, uh, which I highly encourage you this week, as you're reading John 15, to read 1 John. It's all about abiding, and it's beautiful to see what he took from this conversation with Jesus. This is what he says um, in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. Meaning, even the branches that have not chosen Jesus, he is still the advocate. He wants every branch to be connected to him. Your barren seasons do not disqualify you from connection to Jesus. The desire is that everyone would be a branch connected to Jesus. Jesus is our true vine, which means he is pouring out his power, his love, his nourishment into us, even when we aren't faithful to him. And even more so, he is interceding to God on our behalf. That is like one of my favorite things to talk about, which we don't have time for today, so note for a later time. <laughs> Again, Jesus repeats himself in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. For without me, you can do nothing. I don't read this as a shaming statement. I read this as an absolute truth. Jesus already knows that we are fruitless without him. There is no expectation that we have to do anything alone, let alone bear fruit. A branch is made up of 100% what is in the vine. It's like the saying goes, you are what you eat. The connection to Jesus is literally our lifeline our umbilical cord. Jesus is telling us that the key to being fruitful to glorifying God is simply that we abide in him as a branch is to the vine. That means that our constant connection to Jesus is of utmost importance. Do you know how hard that is? Do you understand what that looks like in our life and our generation? Jesus knew. Jesus knew how hard it was for us in our human condition, and he was just telling his disciples in John 14, he talks about it later in this chapter, and as you'll see next week, he talks about it in John 16. Holy Spirit's coming. The Holy Spirit was coming to be the capital H helper and the capital A advocate. We cannot do it alone, and the expectation is not for us to do it alone. We need help staying connected, and we have access to that help. Zechariah 4.6 says, It is not by might or by power, but it is of the Spirit of God. Our doing does not produce fruit unless our doing is through the vine of Jesus. Apart from Jesus, we will just wither away and be good for nothing but firewood. This is why we have to ask Jesus to teach us to pray and to have eyes and ears opened to see, because we abide by prayer. Take the pressure off of yourself. Take the pressure off of yourself. Focus solely on staying connected to Jesus, our true vine. It's not about doing more. It's about watching where your eyes are. What are your eyes focusing on? 
The more we become aware of the connection and have eyes fixed on Jesus, the convictions will follow. It is out of the connection to Jesus and his nourishment that the, oh yeah, this music, not helping me abide. Or I need to call my mom and make things right. I'm not serving in church. I'm not present to my kids. My anger is out of control. I'm not turning to Christ. I'm turning to whatever else I'm addicted to. Whatever it may be, whenever all of that comes, we have to trust that as we are continuing to be connected to Jesus, that's going to fade away. We're going to be choosing Jesus instead. It's not out of this, you better do this first and then abide. Abiding comes first. It's funny because last night um, I was, you know, here practicing with the mic. Um, Thank you. And at first, there was some opera happening, um, and I'm pretty sure it was live because it wasn't that great. And then as I'm getting, you know, farther into the teaching, and actually as I was, you know, at the part I was just talking about, um, a little baby song came on. And um, that's something that I've had to completely cut out of what I listen to because it doesn't help me abide. Um, But it was just really ironic that one of my favorite songs of the past uh, was playing as I was speaking about this because I have chosen to not listen to it. Um, So beware, if you choose to abide, your music choices might change. Um, It's like, I mean, it's, it's literally, it's like a water hose. The water that comes out of the spout, the only way that it goes into the hose is that the connection to the spout is good. Otherwise, it's gonna spur everywhere. It might not even be connected at all. The attachment of the hose is what determines what water comes out. But also, what spout are you connecting to? What comes out of you is gonna be what you put in. Now, all this to say, the choice to attach to Jesus does not mean that the branches will not struggle and have seasons of winter, seasons of barrenness, but that is when our good, perfect gardener God is lifting us up, drawing us close, speaking words of life and healing and encouragement over us, but also cleansing us and pruning us for the next season, all for our good. Let's go back to Isaiah 5 for a second. To the vine of Israel, God is saying, I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or cultivated. The briars and the thorns will grow. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. Since Jesus is the true vine, the opposite is true for us. It's on the screen. I will make it fruitful. That means pruning and cultivating. The briars and the thorns will not grow up. I also will command the clouds to rain down upon it. Stormy seasons, rain, all for our good. In this passage, on this walk with his beloved disciples, Jesus is telling them that they are so loved that every act of their gardener is for their fruit and that they have the key to being fruitful Abiding in Jesus, their friend, their brother, their true vine. And let me be clear, this is not Jesus giving an ultimatum. This is not Jesus chaining his disciples to him. This is, which also means that this is not Jesus giving us ultimatums or chaining him to us. Jesus is just saying, abide in me. It's an invitation. Abide in me. I am the true vine. I am the lover of your soul. All that I am is yours. Just follow my example. I have chosen you. Keep 
choosing me. It's only in me that you will be fruitful and taken care of. As the saying goes, we are human beings, not human doings. Out of our being comes our doing. First, it's the connection. Then the convictions come. Oh, maybe I need to change this. Then it's actually making the changes and living differently. Then the action comes. Don't get that order mixed up. You may be sitting in your chairs saying, Lauren, this is so redundant. You're saying the same things over and over. Well, mission accomplished. Jesus said the word abide nine times. In these four or five verses that we've read so far, they're pretty much all the same thing, just in a little different order. Jesus was redundant for a reason. Just look at us. Look at the state of our lives. Look at the state at our hearts, of our hearts. There's so much anxiety in here. There's so much fear. There's so much need for control. There's so much spiraling. We're asleep. There's heartache and there's so much disconnection. Jesus is speaking to all of that in us, but again, not in a shameful way. Remember in John 12, Jesus says, I didn't come to judge you, I came to save you. There's no judgment. Jesus wants to take care of us. He chooses us. He is advocating to the Father on our behalf. And he doesn't just want to. It's fully his nature, his power. We are not just his sheep. We are his branches, which means that we are made fully in him and through him. We are him. If his eye is on the sparrow, how much more does he love us, his own branches? When he told the disciples, I'm the vine, the true vine, and you're the branch, he was culminating all of the statements that we have heard in John so far. Let's read them together. They should be, yeah. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. All we have to do is choose connection to Jesus, and we have all that we need to be fruitful. So the big question, how? What does this look like for us? Christ within us. Prayer. We have to train our minds to seek Jesus over everything. It's like my dad is always saying, it's the war for our minds. It's the war for our minds. We have to trust God. And we have to release our striving. It's like the hymn. Where fears are stilled and striving cease. It was really funny because um, I was looking it up in my Bible app because I thought that it was scripture. And it's not. It's a hymn. But it's, uh, it's derived from scripture. Um, <laughs> but um, it's being still. So much of what I've been walking through in the last year, the Lord's only response to me has been just be still choose me abide in me that's not that is not natural that goes against everything that society tells us that goes against everything in our humanity but abiding in Jesus 
is the way. And this is where practices come into play too. This is why daily window is so important. Stopping to pray as many times a day as it takes to train your mind to think about Jesus, to turn to Jesus. Silence and stillness. Crowding out all of the other voices. Unnoising. It's one of my favorite words, unnoising. Reading scripture. Listening to worship music. Praising the Lord. Practicing being thankful. All of these things help us abide. The key is that we recognize our absolute dependency. Until we surrender to Jesus, until we have faith in him to be our capital S source and our capital P power, then we are not truly abiding. We are only then connected to Jesus on the surface. Sure, it looks good going to church, highlighting in your Bible, doing the things, but at the end of the day, your fist is still gripped with control. You're not hearing the Lord. You are still so anxious and apart and cannot part from whatever it is for you. This is the kind of branch that ultimately falls to the ground and withers, one without faith. Abiding is saying, Jesus, I depend on you. You're the bread of my life. You're my shepherd, my shepherd. You're the way. You're my way. You're the vine, and not just any vine. You're the true vine. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means my source is ever-flowing with life and nourishment, everything that I need. You might have to say that to yourself 20 times a day. I want to read this passage, and I want us to filter it through the lens of abiding. So feel free to turn there. I think it's going to be on the screen, too, though. For the enemy has persecuted me. Psalm 143, sorry. (laughs) 3 to 8. For the enemy has persecuted me. He has crushed my life down to the ground. He has made me dwell in dark places like a branch covered and hidden like those who have been long dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed and weak within me. My heart, it grows numb within me. I'm about to wither away, God. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. You have brought me up and held me close in the last winter. I think about that. I ponder that. I reach out my hands to you. I need to be connected to you, Jesus. My throat thirsts for you. I need your life inside of me. Like a parched land without water, fill me, Jesus. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. I don't, do not hide your face from me, or I will become like those who have withered away. Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you. Teach me the way in which I should walk and the way in which I should abide, for I lift up my soul to you. I choose, I choose connection to you. Draw close to me. Fill me with your nourishment. It's from this place of trust that we bear fruit. It's because of the nature in Jesus in us that we love. I briefly, this is where I'm really going to try not to cry. I briefly mentioned in the beginning that the Lord sat me down a few years ago and said, we're going to teach you how to abide. In this point in my life, I was on a downward spiral. I was 
So defeated by my chronic illnesses, I was lonely, my grandparents had suddenly died, we were in the middle of a pandemic, my family was going through so much grief and heartache, our church was going through a lot of loss, it just was a mess. My best friend and her beloved family were moving across the country, and I was feeling this deep ache for purpose, but instead I just had so much disappointment. I have always felt so close to Jesus and so attuned to the Spirit, yet the yet was always there. I'm sure most of you in this room would say the same thing. It wasn't until I followed the Lord to Colorado that I got a clearer view of what was actually happening. I was defining myself, one, by my chronic illness, is, and getting lost in the numbness of my heart. I was weary in the waiting, and I was asleep to the deeper connection that God was calling me to. I was holding on to expectations and blah, 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 the list goes on. It all climaxed last year when I was on a cruise ship in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean alone at sunrise, and I had Amanda Cook's album blaring in my head, State of the Union, which if you haven't listened to it, it's amazing. I chose to be connected to Jesus in that moment differently than ever before, and I've been drastically different since that day. I've been awake the Lord has met me with wisdom and grace and so much peace, but also cleansing and pruning, which has led to a releasing of the doing mentality and an identity in anything other than Jesus. I'm choosing Jesus and recognizing the union of his spirit within me in ways that have led me to great revelations and encounters, but also choices that have been really hard to make, choices that... The only way that I can get through them is by holding on to the hope of our good God. And because God is so good in fulfilling his promise to fully teach me how to abide, I am now deeply experiencing it with Nessia, the little girl that I nanny. I can go ahead and put the picture up. <sighs> okay, I might need some tissues. I started nannying Nessia during COVID. Uh, she was five. She has Down syndrome. She is my favorite human. And then started back again after I moved back from Colorado. She's now eight and a half. This girl is the absolute perfect example of what it means to abide. No matter where I am, she is too. I can't clean. I can't go to the bathroom. I can't sit down without her having to literally be pressed up against me. I, um, one of our most memorable adventures was over the summer. I was nannying her during her dad's wedding, and she would not walk down the aisle with her sister. She only wanted to walk down the aisle with me. So I had to walk her down the aisle, and because I was, you know, full-blown working that day, I looked a hot mess. It was great. I'm sure the pictures are lovely. I refuse to look at them. But if I pull out my computer, she gets her toy computer. If I pull out my phone, she gets her toy phone. If I say when we're driving in the car, Nessia, I just love you, randomly, a few seconds later, she'll say in the exact same tone, Lauren, I just love you. 90% of the time, she will not do anything without me. She won't play or watch TV unless I'm doing it with her. If I'm sitting on the couch watching her, she would rather just sit on my lap and be with me than to actually do what she wants to be doing. And as she's gotten older, as more time is going by, this is only intensified, even though she's getting older and bigger. So imagine, you know, this is, this is almost maybe 
when was this? This was before her birthday. So she was seven here, but she's grown so much this year. Now she probably would like take up all of me. She's like this tall. She's this tall, still sitting on me and still trying to do all these things. And that's a whole nother story. My neck is suffering. But she would rather be connected to me than to do what she wants to be doing. When Jesus said to have childlike faith, I think this is part of it. More desire to be with him than to do what we want to be doing. And this is what I have learned the most from Nessia. This is the secret place. To more desire to be with Jesus than to do what I want to be doing. The last year of my life has been the most beautiful and the hardest all at the same time, like a luscious desert. All I have needed, his hand has provided, but I've never had to endure or persevere more. In all honesty, in this exact moment, I'm still in that same enduring boat. There have been some victories, but not all of them. I'm interceding and waiting and not doing what I want to be doing, but I'm with Jesus. All while the Lord is tenderly taking my fruit, cleansing it, and pruning me. I've had to trust in Jesus more than his response to my surrender. Because somehow in all of this, all of this enduring is for my good, for my formation. This chapter of John is three plus teachings in one. I'm only going to be talking about these first few chapters, but I want us to read all of it because to abide is not the end. Abiding means obedience, and obedience leads to holiness. It's like Nessia. She's choosing to be with me instead of doing what she wants to be doing, and then out of that closeness, she's mimicking my behaviors. She's talking like me. She wants to be me. The other day, she put her socks up over her leggings because that's how I wear my socks. It's like what Paolo was sharing last week. When you know someone, you know them. You know them. Abiding results in obedience, and obedience is the chief fruit of love. And obedience leads to holiness. Again, let's read another passage through the lens of abiding. Philippians 3, 8 through 16. This one's not on the screen. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, my vine. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all the things that I want to be doing and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes through faith in Christ, because I'm his branch, the righteousness from God that depends on my faith, my choice to choose to trust, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, and that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on. I take hold because Jesus Christ has made me his own branch. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind to doing what I want to be doing and straining forward to what lies ahead, being with Christ. I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call in Jesus Christ, continually choosing connection to Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you because it's his desire for the whole world. 
Only let us hold to what we have attained that is true. Today, I want us to fully grasp the first thing that Jesus is speaking to us. Just rest in me. I'm in you already. Stay connected to me. I'm in you already. I'm the shepherd. You're the sheep. I'm the vine. You're the branch. I know that apart from me, you can do nothing. That's okay. That's the way it's supposed to be. All you need, I can and am providing. Let me do it. Just stay connected to me. I'm full of life and peace and love, all of which you can be full of too if you just abide in me and I in you. Let's jump down to verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. May your joy be full. Guys, this is our Jesus, the Jesus who chose us and we did not choose him. He chose us and we did not choose him. How many more times do I have to say it before someone says, amen? (laughs) The Jesus who calls us his friends. He calls us his friends. We're not servants. We're his friends. The Jesus who does not expect us to bear fruit on our own, but completely provides the way, is interceding to the Father on our behalf. We just have to stay connected. We just have to choose Jesus. And we have the Holy Spirit's help on the days when it's hard to choose that connection. We have our church family's help on the days that it's hard to choose connection. There's no shame in that. Jesus Jesus wouldn't have said the branches that aren't bearing fruit, the Lord lifts up to himself if he knew that we weren't going to have seasons of not bearing fruit. He already knows it. We can rest in the promise that he is taking care of us, that he is filling us with everything that we need. This is why we've titled the series Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. Everything exists through Jesus. I hope that you never hear the word through without thinking of yourself as a vine, I mean a branch through the vine of Jesus. I want to close with a verse from Isaiah 30. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Therefore, God waits on high to be gracious to you. Imagine yourself as the branch. God, our perfect vine dresser, is waiting on high for you to choose connection to Jesus. Jesus is waiting on high for you to choose connection to him. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. It's my prayer that you recognize that it's not by your own might or your own power but it is all about returning to and recognizing that it is the Spirit of God in us, the one Jesus sent for us. Our vine dresser and our true vine are waiting for you to choose the connection. So may we, on this 15th day, be delivered from our own captivity, from our life of striving, our life of control, our life of sin, into a life of abiding and resting in our Jesus and him in us. 
Lord God, I ask you to come into this place. Lord, I ask for our hearts to be willing to choose you. Lord, we are waiting for you. But most importantly, you are waiting for us. You are waiting on high for us. We have everything that we need. We are not like the vine of Israel. Lord, we are connected to the true vine. We love you. Amen. We're about to sing um, a song called Abide. Um, And it's a song that broke me wide open a few years ago. And the Lord has used it to help me remember to abide. I'm always singing it. It's one thing for us to sit in this room and to listen about abiding, to maybe read some verses about abiding, but it's another thing to actually begin to practice it and embody it. We need God to teach us how to abide. We need to have humble hearts that say, I depend on you. I can't do it alone. This is also going to be a perfect time of prayer. Our prayer team is in the back room. If you have never chosen connection to Jesus, remember that verse that we read before. It's for everybody. It's for the whole world. Jesus is interceding for the whole world. Jesus is waiting for you. Jesus is waiting for you. And for those of us who have chosen connection to Jesus, but maybe you're not choosing connection to Jesus right now, it's not too late for you. Remember, your barren seasons do not disqualify you from connection to Jesus. It's as simple as, I depend on you. I choose you again. I'm choosing connection to you again. So again, our worship team, our worship team, our prayer team will be in the back to pray with you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Gallery Church Podcast. I want you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your mind and heart. Let Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, do the deep work that only He can do. I want to say thank you to everyone who gives to the church. Your gifts make this podcast and ministry possible here in Baltimore and other parts of the world. You can be a part of our work by going to gallerychurchbaltimore.com give or by downloading the church app from the app store. You can also subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening or watching, and may God's grace and peace be with you.